Oh, hey there. Welcome to Steer Queer. soda comes along she is a soda <laughs> all right are we ready yes yeah all right hello my queer mos queer mas and allies and that brings up that's the topic of today's episode it's allyship but we'll get into that into a little bit if you're just tuning in for the first time this is the steer queer podcast i am austin you can call me shim sham uh my lovely co-host is i'm kyle and i just recently had sexual relations with my partner <laughs> gross <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding it's beautiful and last but not least i'm mike pence's worst nightmare and wet dream all rolled into one. Oh. <laughs> I got all turned on there. Delicious. Picturing Mike Pence <laughs> in the corner, hating Cody silently. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like I said, this is the third episode of the Steer Queer podcast. Um, but first, let's check in. It's Pride Month. It's been a hell of a 2020. It's, in a word, terrible. <laughs> so, let's check in. How is everybody doing? How are things... Cody, how are things with you? Well, things are things are okay. You know, <laughs> my word for 2020 is woof. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, things are things are good. It's it's tough to navigate. I think COVID is becoming less and less apparent in my neck of the woods, which is very frustrating. Um, but you know, we're doing our best. We're doing our best. Um, pharmacy life is good. Just trying to keep all the patients happy and healthy and nobody getting dead. Um, <laughs> That's a great goal. <laughs> our, our mantra at work usually is, please avoid death. <laughs> that, that's the oath you take when you become a nurse. You say, death's real bad, y'all, okay? <laughs> yeah. Be well, oh. please don't that's die. A, that is day one of, like, you're, when you're starting as a nurse, the head nurse just goes, death bad, y'all. Okay, death, you're good. Death bad, y'all. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Go nurse. Yeah. <laughs> and drink your water. Drink your water. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, speaking of drinking, before we move on, I've decided that the last two episodes, I was drinking coffee. And girl, I can't afford Starbucks every week, y'all. So what I'm going to do is change the tradition a little bit I'm going to have shot since I've got a stock liquor cabinet. Now, hey, also, Cody, what are you hey, drinking? What? what are you what? drinking? Well, Tell I'm us so all about it. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you asked. Come on over to my liquor cabinet. You guys can't see this, but I'm moving the camera up Zoom. That's our plug today, Zoom. I've decided to go with just the traditional Jack Daniels. Mm. It's a, just a good old whiskey. It's old fashioned. It's got a kick to it, just like my favorite golden girl. Dorothy Spornak. <laughs> a shot glass. So I've got Golden Girls shot glasses, which is the only, which is also why I want this to be a tradition, so I can show off my shot glasses. So mm. because she's my favorite, I'm drinking my whiskey out of Dorothy Spornak. Here we go. Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers. Oh, that was nice. Oh. Oh. Was good. And Ooh, it and goes of course, down so warm. As I had warned, I. Uh, for all my babies in recovery, which I am, uh, we are drinking from our House on the Rock mug. We are drinking old coffee that we left in the fridge mixed with soy milk. <laughs> so, you know, recovery can be just as fun as drinking. <laughs> cheers, queers. Oh, cheers, queers. Kyle, what are you drinking? I what am actually drinking? drinking a gin cubano. Um, <laughs> which uh, is from Tattersall 
uh, distillery, Austin. I actually have their gin. Is that the one that your cousin owns? I can't remember. Um, that might not be the one that they own. Um, but your cousin owns a distillery. Your here cousin in the owns area. a distillery? Um, yes, if you are listening in the Twin Cities Metro, go visit Kyle Kettering's distillery. We do not remember the name. <laughs> I think that might be the one. I don't remember. But it is local. Um, and it's with uh, the Cubano or Mojito. I can't remember which one. Uh, LaCroix, one of their fancy fake... Uh, cocktail LaCroix. So I figured, you know, why not mix a cocktail with a fake cocktail? Because I was off drinking for a little while, but now mama we're back on board. Uh, I think (laughs) if, I think if Bear Claw had a mojito flavor, I'd try. Mm. (laughs) I think if Krispy Kreme came out with a liqueur, Cody would be on board. (laughs) (laughs) What he's saying is, I'm an alcoholic, but I haven't admitted it yet. Also, for those of you that want to find this wonderful distillery of Austin's relation, go to Minneapolis and say, hey, what's that one distillery that Austin's yeah. relation is? Yeah. Austin's Austin. cousin. Which, which one Austin's is that? Austin's cousin. Okay, focus. Kyle, how are you? How are you doing? You know, I am doing better. I do live in Minneapolis and things were uh, pretty Hectic is the only word coming to mind, and it is the understatement of the millennium. But uh, things things are are both quieting down and also still ramping up in this area, and we are all finding ways to stay connected and stay involved as everything continues to play out in the coming weeks. Uh, but I personally, you know, things are things are trucking along. I've been teaching from home. I teach piano and voice lessons for those of you who don't know. Uh, so I've been teaching from home since March and I never thought that I could find a way to love teaching lessons from home so much when also feeling like I'm going out of my skull. Uh, we were recently having a discussion, uh, the three of us about COVID and how I don't fear going outside, but I don't like being in large crowds at all right now. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a, a crazy last couple of months. And I feel like now things are kind of on trajectory moving forward. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we're, we're in the season of change and I'm riding that wave as long as I can. So things are actually trucking along pretty great. So something I was really appreciative today was when I went to one of the stores I was shopping at. Um, I didn't, I had forgot my mask at home. And in Wausau, things are pretty lax around here. So I thought, well, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to drive all the way back home and get it. But one of the attendants was this young gentleman at the front door and he was kind of collecting carts and wiping them down. But he said, excuse me, sir, do you have a mask? And I right away just said, oh, do I, can I not enter if I don't have one? And he said, yeah, unfortunately you can't. You can go buy some and they're 94 cents a piece, but I can't let you in here. And I thought, well, I don't really have any money. And so my mom was with me and and she said, well, uh," and she had her mask on. So she said, well, I'll just go get one and come back. And I said, all right, fine. Otherwise I can sit in the car, but we, we decided to do that. And the guy just said to me, um, you're probably the most chill person I've had to deal with today about that. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I've been called a communist today by two different people. (laughs) And, um, I thought, (laughs) I said, really? He said, yeah. And then somebody else told me to, to fuck off and they tried to like barge their way in. And then you know we didn't let them but I thought oh wow like I said no I appreciate you saying something like I'm sure it's got to be very uncomfortable to have and he's like a young kid you know that has to stand in front of the store and ward people off that don't have a face mask but I thought I really appreciate that because we don't know necessarily a lot of the times what we're supposed to be doing but I think what's important is you do what you can and so, you know, I really, I told him, like, I'm so sorry, but I hope your day gets better. And I don't know, I appreciated that because it's like, yeah, we should, we should really just try to do everything we can because COVID, what a bitch, y'all. And quite what we're saying is, discussed. yes, it's, it's homophobic and also just oh. wash your hands and wear your mask. If you can, we understand there's also reasons why you might not be able to wear a mask. And also it's very... Uh, capitalistic of us to say mm-hmm. that everybody can afford one, but if you are able yes. to wear a mask and it, uh, it it really just is right now, let's all just get through this together, please. Let's just get through it together. 
We're all in this together. Oh my God, we were listening to that last night at this little social distance <laughs> barbecue that we were at. Um, and we didn't mean to, it just happened. And um, that somebody sounds very counterintuitive. Somebody Social brought it up. Barbecue. I know, I know. I know. It was. It wasn't even really a barbecue. I don't know why I said that. We ordered pizza luce, but <laughs> <laughs> was it barbecue chicken pizza? Um, it was a barbecue pizza. The vegan rustler has barbecue sauce as the sauce, Ooh. the spicy barbecue sauce. I know. Okay. Yeah, little plug there for the vegan pizzas at uh, Pizza Luce. They are fabulous. What Kyle's basically saying is that Minneapolis is the only place to live. <laughs> I know. It's just so sad. Um. And then uh, to check in, uh, you know, after last week's episode, you know, we wanted to talk about George Floyd and the protests. So uh, just like we had said, we want to check in on that. One organization I have recently donated to is Love on Black Women. Uh, it's an organization based out of Milwaukee, as you've probably heard about that horrible news story um, about that uh white woman spitting on that black child. It was just awful. And mm -hmm. so um, the founder of Love on Black Women, she's an amazing uh, warrior in the Milwaukee area. And so that is an organization I have donated to this week to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, and so any check-ins you guys want to do on that? What Anything you guys are thinking about? I'd just like to say that we will continue to post. I, I will post some of the same resources in the description of this episode, but I will also be posting some new ones to make sure that we are helping the most number of people and also getting word out about as many organizations as possible because the biggest thing that we can all do as allies, hint, hint, you know, topic mm -hmm. of the episode, the best thing that we can all do is to stay informed, stay involved and do what we can. And we understand that, that, that financially, it's not always 100% doable for everybody to donate so being educated and helping to educate others is another amazing way that you can stay involved it keeps you up to date on your anti-racist work and also gives you an opportunity to help somebody else see the world through a different lens and bring more of us together so we can continue to fight this because that is how we win Absolutely. And one thing I was thinking about is um, I've been going for a lot of walks around my neighborhood uh, because, you know, I got to get those 10,000 steps. And, <laughs> um, and one thing I have been really proud of is I'm seeing a lot of Black Lives Matter signs in the area. And I've put a Black Lives Matter sign in my yard. And it, I think it's a small thing. You can make your own you can purchase one. If you purchase one, make sure those funds are going to the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I really think it does is it does bring awareness. But with all the news coverage, I honestly think like the awareness is out there. So one thing I think it does is it lets me know that my community cares and that my community this November is going to vote in a way that's going to support people of color, support queer people of color. And so, um, so anyway, that was just one thing I was thinking of is I think putting a sign in your yard, it's a small thing, it's a doable thing, but I know I appreciate it. And I'm a white person, so maybe my, <laughs> if I'm feeling great, good about it, maybe that doesn't even matter. But <laughs> um, I just like seeing the Black Lives Matter signs in the area. It's making Absolutely. me feel like I live in a good place. Did you guys hear about Rayshard Brooks? I wanted yes. to bring that to attention for anyone that doesn't know. Rayshard Brooks was another casualty, um, an innocent man that was shot for no reason, if we're just being clear. He was suspected of being under the influence and essentially what had happened, and I'm not going to get into a whole other lecture um, discussion, but he was shot three times fatally because he, as he was being handcuffed, he grabbed a taser and tried to, as he was running away, shoot one of the officers and they basically killed him. And all I could think was how the scenario would have played. You know, a lot of what I, I guess it's interesting because ever since George Floyd, and I don't know why for me, especially because I consider myself an ally, but I think 
it really just did something to me where it it sort of woke me up in a minute it's like wake up cody you know but i re I, now anytime something like this happens in the news all i can think is how would that have played out differently if i were that person and right you know and i i, I can already hear people saying well, he tried to attack them with a taser and he, you know, he was, you know, they were just trying to defend themselves. Yeah. You don't, you don't defend yourself with a gun, first of all. And also all you hear about now, and I, and I'm glad we hear about this because I don't want what recently happened to just be the topic of the week. And then, you know, like, like, Oh, you know, we did a protest and we feel good and now we can move on and go about our lives. No. And I don't see that happening, which I'm happy about, but I imagine, okay, if if this individual was under the influence, which I don't know if it was, he was suspected of it. So I don't know if it actually got to a point where they could confirm it. But I imagine he was probably very afraid. And a lot of the discussion you hear is, is that, yeah, this group of people would be afraid of a police officer. I was I was suspected of driving under the influence when I was in college and it was a very casual experience. I mean, I was I was pulled over. I did have to walk a straight line. He actually made me say the alphabet backwards and I did gracefully. But it was just like, okay, well, you probably shouldn't drive, so can you walk home? And I was like, sure. And somebody else drove the car and I walked home. But it was very like, whatever, you know, don't do that again. Okay. And I don't think it's you know, so irrational that he would try to protect himself or he would think because he's afraid he would kind of act a little a little out you know irrationally but you don't shoot someone you, know, you just don't do that yeah i'm glad you brought that up because we continue to see black lives lost even while people are protesting that and all i could think in that scenario was how um, that police officer murdered that man because he was afraid of being tased. Yet the police have been tasing protesters this whole time. So right. it's, yeah, I felt very upset about it. I, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, it continues to be a problem. I mean, it's it has not been solved in a couple of weeks, right? So... Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And like like we said last week, this is this is not just something that happened over the summer. This is not something that happened 60 years ago. This is 400 years of treating a group of people like they are beneath us. Then they are not. You they are human lives. We are human. We are all human beings and it's time to really it's time to just wake up people. And to be an ally, because I know that's the topic of our discussion, and we'll get more into that in just a second. Um, it's it's not enough just to say, I'm not a racist, and I can feel good about myself. No, we really need to get involved. And I encourage everybody to keep the conversation going, to get involved, even if it's as simple as putting up a sign. You know, do something to really keep it going um, and get involved, just like we talked about last week. Austin brought up another good organization we, we should all be supporting. Um, and of course, you know, be safe, obviously, but, but don't let the fire die. Really, I mean, I don't know what it is about. I mean, 2020 has been rough, y'all. Let's just be clear. Um, but I think a lot of this is kind of a wake-up call, too. We have to do things differently. It's, it's time. It's just time. And... Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I did because I mean I read stories like this a lot now, and so I wanted to I want to bring it to attention. And I don't know if we'll do this all the time with this podcast. I know we like to have fun. We want to discuss all sorts of things, a lot of them queer related. But it is important that we keep vigilant and we keep going with this, and that's the least we could do. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up real quickly, and uh, we can continue now. <laughs> Hello everyone, Kyle here, coming to remind you from all of us here at Steer Queer that we will be posting resources and tools and more information along with this episode to help our listeners continue doing anti-racist work, to stay involved, and to continue fighting to make this a better world for everyone, because the change begins with us as individuals and continues with us as a group. Thank you so much, and now let's get back to the show. So let's leap into our topic of allyship. One thing uh, I think we stressed in the first episode and that I think we'll continue to stress in every episode is that 
these terms can be fluid and they can mean something different to everybody. So um, I think one, just like Cody was talking about, uh, when we're talking about allyship, I think one thing that's really um, been highlighted, especially this Pride Month, um, is that allyship needs to be a verb. It needs to be actions. Um, it's not enough to be not racist. It's, you have to be anti-racist. So it's just not enough to be not homophobic, to not be transphobic. You have to be anti-homophobia, anti-transphobia. Absolutely. Um, yeah, what do you, so what are your guys' thoughts on allyship? What comes to mind? Well, do you mind if I read a really excellent definition that I found? No, go, thought, go girl. I thought, that, oh, thank you. Uh, I, I just think that this was a very well-written <laughs> account of allyship. And it says that allyship is the lifelong process in which people with privilege and power work to develop empathy towards another marginalized group's challenges or issues. The goal of allyship is to create a culture in which the marginalized group feels valued, supported, and heard. Being an ally is not a label, it is a verb. And it said exactly what you just said, Austin, is that the most important part of all of that is you don't get to label yourself an ally, you have to do being an ally. Being an ally has a verb in it, being. That is a verb. You have to do things. And what I love about that is that it's, it's showing, I think, a lot of people right now, myself included, how it's easy to think you're doing something when you're not. And that is why I, when I'm, when I'm talking to some of, uh, some of my straight allies, I usually try to, I try to approach it with a, a, a little bit of love, a little bit of care at the beginning. I like to say that I'm going to give you five solid minutes of coddling and like supportive love. And then I'm going to lay right the fuck into you because it gets to a point after a while where it's like, I was talking about this on the, I was talking about this before. I don't have the spoons to explain to you all of the things you need to do. I don't have 24 hours in a day for the next year to work hard to get you to the level I need you to be at right now. Like I need you here and I have to do all this work to get you here. The internet exists, honey. Like go do some learning, get yourself educated work a little bit because it is work. It's the same thing we're talking about with everything that's going on right now with the Black Lives Matter movement. People are finally understanding that it wasn't enough to like something on Facebook. And I am absolutely in that particular population of people who felt like I was doing something and really realized I was like, I'm not. And I get to sit with those uncomfortable feelings and I should. So we are, we're learning, we're learning right now. And I think that the beautiful thing about that is that this, this discomfort, this, this difficulty is really, honestly, I, I explain to my students all the time, if you get it right every single time, you're not really learning anything. But when you get it wrong, and then you get to learn how to do it right, it's sad, it's scary, it's hard, but you've improved immensely more by failing and learning than you ever would by just getting it right all the time. And I have to remind myself that all the time. Well, I think too, and this is something that, you know, part of me doesn't want to admit, but we got to just be real here. Um, and Jack Daniels helps me to do that. Hey, Queen. Hey, Queen. <laughs> hey, Queen. Um, I, uh, I used to be, without realizing what it meant, I used to be kind of in the all lives matter camp because I was looking at it from a, we are human beings, we should all get along standpoint. And that's why I think, again, that's why I, something about George Floyd's murder, it just, it was a wake up call. It just, it's sort of like, I just, all of a sudden I got it. Now I, now I understand from that, I get it now. And I'm not saying, yes, I'm enlightened and all the, you know, you know, I, I have all of the answers. Like, I think we joked like, Cody, solve racism in 30 minutes, you know, like, <laughs> it can't be done, y'all. You did but, it. Um, I did it. Yay. Uh. Um, but yeah, it just, I, and I hear people say that now. And I think they have, like, certain people I've heard, friends of mine, for example, I think they have the best intentions where they say, well, all lives matter. Well, they do, but they don't. The way we're going about things, this is a group of people, or these are groups of people, because I want to include 
you know, the LGBTQ plus 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 community, these are groups of people that it's not enough to just say, yeah, you're like us, but then look at the laws that have been passed or haven't been passed. Look at the way people are treated based on the wages they get, the opportunities that are given them. My mom was telling me about an article she read and basically it was, it was a professor, I believe it was a professor, a, a African-American professor, basically his, his um, experience about what's been going on since, since George Floyd and how everybody's been reacting. And he said that when he was getting ready to go to school, um, somebody basically said, you, you probably shouldn't go to like an Ivy League school, like you should aim lower, because that's probably as good as you'll get. And he, bas- he said, and I, I, I feel bad just like kind of generalizing it because I, I, I'm someone that wants to have all the, the details and the facts. So I'll have to look up the article again. But like the moral or the, the end of the story was he basically said he put his foot down and said, I'm going to said school. And he said, and now I have a degree and a higher paying job than that person ever did. You know, and I think and it, it, it's it's frustrating. Yeah. Get it for that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you're like, damn right. <laughs> damn right you do. Right. <laughs> and now he's uh, his boss and he gives him shit work. You know, <laughs> he said, you should another, aim like, lower. <laughs> basically, yeah. Another thing that like happened to me, like, because I can keep it personal, that I wanted to talk about on this podcast, but it kind of goes along with allyship, is we had a blood drive at at the pharmacy I worked for and everybody was getting ready to sign up and I wanted to sign up too, but I, I immediately realized I may not be able to. So I asked my boss, I said, I really want to get involved um, because this is, I love, this is the kind of work I love doing. Um, but I don't know if it's okay because I'm a gay man. And she was totally like fine with it. But I said, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's like that the company would be uncomfortable with it, but I don't myself know what the laws are. So she, you know, cause it depends on which organization is holding the blood drive. So she said, I don't let me get in touch with HR and let me find out what the, what the rules are. And we found out it was going through this particular organization, which I won't mention, um, you know, because I don't always want to just name things. I don't know if it's appropriate. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but basically what they said was, if you are a gay man, specifically a gay man, um, you have to have abstained from sex for at least a year. And after that, it would still have to basically be under review. Mm-hmm. So, and I kind of knew already going in, I probably wasn't going to be able to donate. Because I remember in college when I'd want to donate plasma, I got I got chewed out right away because they they give you those stupid questionnaires. Oh yeah, they do. Remember and then those? the nurse and then the nurse yells at you when you don't answer right away. I I I just want to jump in on that. I remember I went in for uh my first ever plasma donation. I was like, I'm poor. I can't make enough money. I got to find a way to make a little extra. I'm going to go donate plasma. And the nurse was was like, I'm gonna ask you questions. You need to To answer. be clear, you're a biolife. That is not a nurse. <laughs> no, 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 no. Exactly. I was wondering she that she, too she claimed that she was a nurse. I'll put it that way. She claimed that she was a nurse. And I think it's like you. by looking yes. at the person, you're like, yes. how did you get this position? Yes, no, 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 exactly. Because <laughs> I remember thinking, like, how dare you? But she basically was like, she was she was throwing all these questions at me. Needle drugs, dangerous or no? And I was like, well. I, yes, I guess there's there there's an element of danger there, and she was like, "Sex with another man as 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 a man," and I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, I, I was "Sex like, with another man." No, 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 no. Seriously, very, very, very point blank, very, very point blank. Yeah. And I hesitated, and she looked me dead in the eyes, and she was like, "Sex with another man as wow. a man." Answer me, and I was like, I was like, I, "Yes, dangerous," because I knew I was like, if I say no. I'm not going to shoot you plasma. off the door. Yeah, they're they're going to shoot me right off the door, even though I had been in a monogamous relationship for quite some time. And yeah, it's it, when when it comes to donation, what really bothers me is that, like, as an AMAB individual who has been now in a monogamous relationship with my, you know, single, you know, you know, you know, single monogamous relationship with my partner Jason, who I promised I would bring up on this episode because he said he was sad that he hasn't been brought up yet. Uh, but I, Hi, so I what an what an attention Oh, honey, he's so excited to come on this podcast. You can't even, I can't even we, tell you. For those of you that don't know, which is 
probably everyone listening. Jason <laughs> is amazing. We love Jason. He's so fun. He's very yeah, We don't want to brag, but we probably have upwards of nine listeners. So <laughs> welcome, Jason. We don't want to be here. <laughs> we don't want to brag, but we have some of the best friends. <laughs> 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 the best stuff friends. Oh my god. <laughs> but but no, it's you know, it's 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 a situation where I'm like, I know that I have been with the same person. I have been HIV tested at least once a year, every year since we've been together, including right away when we first started dating. Um, because right before we started dating, I was dating around a little bit more and I knew that I was at a higher risk of anything, you know. So I went and I was like, let's get the full kit and caboodle, full blood test. And I've done that once a year, every year. And it's everything's come back negative, and it's because yeah, of course it has. Yeah, you know, it's like ding, hooray. Well, duh. <laughs> but, but but at the same time, it's it's that whole idea that they are they are very clear about how many times that they're testing their their what the, the the donations that they get, and then they're basically negating all that by saying, but if you're X, Y, or Z, you can't donate because you're at higher risk for these diseases that we are claiming we're quadruple checking for, for you yeah. know? So it's, it's, it's based in, actually in a study, and I wish, I wish I would have looked this up before we started because I could, I, I could more accurately say, but the study is outdated and it has been agreed upon that it is an outdated study that had flaws initially in its actual variables that stated that uh, queer men in particular were more likely to be carriers of HIV and it hasn't been replicated in the same way and it's also been shot down that's why we've we've now got the one year if you've abstained from sex for one year you can donate blood and you know what I'm a universal donor so if you really want my fucking blood you should probably just let me donate it you know? and all yeah Exactly. And also, we we test blood now. You know what I mean? Like, we test it for HIV. And also, uh, heterosexual people having unprotected sex contract HIV. Well, exactly. So, Who's to say that a heterosexual couple can't? You're basically saying that a heterosexual couple cannot get... Their blood is, is basically, you know, indestructible. I mean, have you met straight men? <laughs> have you met straight men? No. Um, well, so my point in that was, um, well, not really my point, but to finish, to wrap up my little story was um, in comparison when I was in college and I did donate and those questions are just kind of in your face and you, you have like five seconds to answer them. Yeah. Like it's a, like it's a game show and you have a million dollars on the line. Um, I lied about it when I was younger because I was like, I need money. And I, I don't, and also like, I thought, I really don't think you deserve to know my business because I know that I'm smart and I know that I'm clean, so it shouldn't matter. But at the, but I also, I just thought, I mean, I was, I'm, I'm a very private individual, but I also just was like, I'm looking at this for the wrong reasons. I'm, I want to get paid and I'm also afraid. Like, I just thought I'm not gonna, I don't know. And I was, I was young, I was 20 years old, but when I, when I did this, this blood drive and I, I talked to my boss, I, I basically, it, it did really bother me. And, and I knew what the answer was going to be, but it crushed me. And so we, I ended up going into her office and I was like, can I just sit for a moment? And she knew what I meant right away. And I just said, you know, I, I can't lie about it. I'm not going to say, well, yeah, I'm straight or yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I haven't had sex in a year because I did. It was great. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm not going to apologize any longer for who I am and it's not my problem it's the problem of the organization like wake up get you know do more work if it means testing every person's blood you should already be doing that anyway so yes I it was kind of a it was kind of a moment for me to realize yes I'm not going to apologize for myself and if that's if that's what you think as an organization I will take my business elsewhere so to speak but um, take my blood to another donation center. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> and you know, since we're on this topic, I kind of want to share a personal story of mine. So I am a nurse, if you haven't heard. And um, she so kind of a big deal, y'all. She kind of a big deal. <laughs> and so when we talk about um, systemic prejudices, um, the healthcare dis system, as I like to call it, because it's terrible. So our healthcare dis system is full of systemic transphobia, homophobia, and racism. 
so I, I just wanted to share a few of the ways I try to be allies to different communities um, in my work that can apply to different areas of, you know, different professions. So for one, I think being out of the closet, just like Harvey Milk said, come out, come out wherever you are. <laughs> um, I do think being out of the closet, whether that, uh, if it's safe and you're able, um, is a, uh, is a form of activism in itself. And so I haven't always felt comfortable being out, even though most people who meet me are like, girl, you're gay. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and then secondly, um, where I work, I have, I have great coworkers and I all the time have open and honest conversations with people about pronouns and about different gender identities and sexualities. Because you cannot, in my opinion, and you cannot be in healthcare today and not encounter trans patients and not encounter queer patients and not encounter patients of color. One thing I definitely try to do this ain't is, Grey's get, Anatomy, y'all. <laughs> is use gender neutral language. I think that's something we can all do is to adopt more gender neutral language. Talk about your partner, you know, ask people if they have siblings. And in the medical field, it can get tough because uh, nurses and doctors think they need to know um, your sex assigned at birth all the time. They think they always need to know. And in certain contexts, they may need to know your sex assigned at birth. That is true. But for the most part, they do not need to know. They need to know your gender identity so they can respect it and use appropriate terminology. Those are a few of the ways that I like to be an ally in, at work where it can be tough to be an ally at work because we can also be worried about rocking the boat, offending coworkers, but at the same time, we have to stand up for what's right and not go with the flow because that's what we're seeing with like our police, right? No one's standing up for what's right. They're just going with the flow and people are dying. So in healthcare, I try to stand up for what's right to not go with the flow if that means, you know, if that means misgendering our patients. Because we know that racism, homophobia, and transphobia all cause oxidative stress in our bodies. And oxidative stress leads to chronic inflammation, hypertension, high cholesterol. So anyway, I don't want to linger too long on the medical aspect because that's not what this podcast is about but i um i just wanted to offer that that reducing people's oxidative stress is going to make us all healthier and happier so <laughs> well and mama shim shim the best part about having you here is that you actually have some real insight into defining some of some of the words that we'll use in a context that yeah. Everybody's going to have to deal with at one point in time. Everybody's gone to a doctor's office in some way, shape, or form. The medical field is a large industry and an industrial complex, which is frankly, in a lot of ways, broken. And especially here in America. And we are seeing right now a, a, a lot of, of pushback and yet a lot of change within the industry where Doctors and nurses are feeling more confident standing up for, for their patients of color, for their patients of, you know, their, their, their patients within the LGBTQ community, but it's not mandated across the board. It's not something that, it, it, it's not something that, that's written into law in every single context. And unfortunately, what we have found in America is that if we don't have something concretely written into law, people think they can just get away with whatever they want. Look at that baker in Colorado who didn't want to bake a fucking cake for a gay, for a gay wedding. It's like, if it wasn't specifically said, you have to bake that goddamn cake in the law, he thinks that freedom of speech protects him, which actually it didn't in that context. So it's, it's just, it, it, it's oh. complicated. Being, being an ally, again, is about more than just saying, I disagree with that. Okay, well, that's Well, that's, that's the lovely. tricky thing about living in, you know, America has been sort of an experiment in a way. So... <laughs> I mean, it is. We're, like, we're almost a Petri dish. Like. <laughs> right. But it gets, it gets tricky when you have, this is a democracy, and you have those kinds of, you don't want to... I just had an image of, instead of, it gets better. It gets tricky. It gets, <laughs> it gets tricky, kids. 
So I'm kind out. of like, you so leave high school, like, and it gets tricky. <laughs> you know, like those. Remember the po- the posters of the cat like hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have you have the cat hanging on hanging on a tree, but then below it is an ocean with a shark trying to bite it. It gets tricky. <laughs> do, do you let go, or do you try to climb up, or do you wait for someone to help you? It gets tricky, y'all. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, no. let's be real. Fuck those posters with the cat. Hang in there. <laughs> Oh my God, Marge Simpson has the best the best analysis of that poster though. Hang in there, kitty. Mm. 1969. <laughs> mm. Determined or not, that cat's probably long dead. That's depressing. <laughs> oh, we, Sorry. we all have to address the elephant in the room in that that was an amazing Marge impression. I was... <laughs> I was blown away. Can we have Marge say it gets better real quick? Let's see. Can, can I do that? It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. I do a significantly better Patty and Selma because they're down here a lot lower. Oh, Selma's I know. much easier for me to do. Oh. I wish I could do a voice. Earlier today, I was trying to do Mickey Mouse. Are you ready? It's not going to be good. Here we go. <laughs> Hi, kids. It gets better. <laughs> What what kind of seventies pedophile? <laughs> oh no! Where where were we going? Well, actually, I wanted Selma does have something to say. I gotta go use the can. <laughs> so the Steer Queer podcast is gonna take a break. Woo-hoo! Hello, everyone. Kyle here again to remind you that the Steer Queer Podcast is a brand new queer lifestyle comedy podcast where we have frank conversations with each other about what it was like and what it's still like living as a queer person in the world. And as such, occasionally we will say things that may not sit right with individuals or may spark conversations that we encourage you to have with us and also take out into the world. We can learn from one another. We can grow with one another. We'd also like to take this time to remind you that sharing is caring and that sharing us around helps us get the word out about our new podcast. So please feel free to like, comment, subscribe, share us around, and help us reach the world. Thank you. And now on to a brief guest interlude. I'm just going to sit here, minding my own business. All right, everyone, I'm back. <laughs> Hello, lovely. All right, I'm back and uh, I'm here to join the podcast 100% of the time. I'm the new co-host, Jason. Everybody listening, this is Jason. This is the guy we plugged earlier. Oh, you talked about me? We did. (laughs) Did you know that it was my request for you to mention me more? (laughs) We did. We talked about that. Um, But this is Jason, and I'm going to make, I'm going to fight for this to be in in the episode, (laughs) because everybody else is peeing. So Jason and I are having a conversation. He's fantastic. We love him dearly. Thank you. No chance this is making the final edit, by the way. Um, <laughs> I loved episode one. Can I, can I talk about that? I yeah, let's listened. talk about it. I, I listened to episode one. Fucking h- hilarious. So ready for more. Haven't listened to two yet. Tell me more. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I I'm caught in the act. <laughs> I'm caught in the act. Uh-oh. What the act? Uh, Courtney Act. Well, um, thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. I would. Thanks for allowing me to invite myself onto this. Welcome back, everybody. We've relieved ourselves of any poisons in our body, um, ah. and I've decided to put more poison in my body because. And I'm joining. <laughs> <laughs> because I love a bandwagon. Yes. And because I'm a. We'll drink our old coffee with soy milk. <laughs> Honey, we got to get so, you better botanicals. <laughs> Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers. Also, spoiler alert, these Golden Girl shot glasses are two ounces. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert, I'll have to go pump Cody's stomach in a minute. <laughs> 
Whatever, it's 2020. Right, ever. <laughs> 2020. Well, welcome back to the Steer Queer Podcast, everybody. Hi. Hi. We're taking a hard-hitting look at allyship. But as we're, as we're winding down, what are some final comments that we want to talk, say about allyship? What, what hasn't been said? Well, I just kind of wanted to share a story about allyship, uh, a personal story. Um, Because I think when we think of allyship, sometimes we think in order to be a good ally, you have to be constantly raging against the machine. And while it's important that there are people who do that, being an ally, as we mentioned last week, can be the small ways in which you show up every day. And I remember when I was in high school, I was super closeted could not imagine coming out and was constantly thinking about it, but knew like I was raised Catholic. I was raised in a relatively conservative household. Definitely never felt like I was going to have the opportunity to come out. And I remember I really wanted to bleach the tips of my hair blonde because it was the mid 2000s and I wanted my hair to look bad. And <laughs> um, I was going for NSYNC's JT. You know, that's, that's, that's what I wanted, but I ended up with Mr. Kirkpatrick or whatever his last <laughs> name was. Anyway, so oh. I, I don't even, um, I was really more of a, God, I don't even know. Anyway, whatever, what, uh, besides the point, but I, <laughs> I the, the drinks are kicking in y'all. They're kicking in y'all, my goodness. <laughs> um, but I had an aunt who I, I won't name for anonymity's sake, um, you know, HIPAA, um, but she recognized, I think from a younger age than some of my other family members that I was gonna be different. She offered to dye my hair for me because she was a hairstylist. Uh, she worked at a, at a salon and I went over to her house after what was possibly one of the worst arguments I ever had with my parents, like to the point where I was crying and yelling over something as simple as highlights because it, it symbolized something so much more than like dyeing my hair in a way that I could not explain to them. And they wanted me to explain it to them, but instead of asking me, they were attacking me about it. So I was struggling to find the words and I was 15. So, you know, there's that. And my aunt kind of, without even really realizing that she was being an ally was just frankly taking me in, in a way that no one else in my family had at the time. And it was one of those little, little ways that I felt like, okay, if I can find more people like that, maybe I can be okay with this. And a year later was when I came out slowly to a very small group of friends, including Austin. But that was partially because I was also trying to get him to come out to me, which is maybe a story for another time. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> they've never met you before. Um, but but it, it was one of those ways in which I realized that it was like, sometimes it's as simple as showing up for another person in a way that makes them feel seen, heard, validated, and like a real human person with a real story and a real life. And I think back on that all the time. It's the same as, you know, we had an English teacher, our freshman English teacher, who from the moment she started teaching at our high school had a rainbow flag and an ally sticker in her window. And to be honest with you, that was not a thing at our high school. Very few teachers did. And she was unapologetically like, no, like, fuck all y'all if you don't like it. And you know what? They didn't fire her to their credit. You know, like, like they did not fire her. They did not, she didn't take it down. In fact, every year she added more. <laughs> there were more, yeah. more things in her window every single year. She had a pink triangle. She had, and also she took me into, into her, her classroom a couple of times just to check in. She directed all the plays. She knew me very pretty well, but she took me in in a way that no one else did. So it was another oh. one of those little little moments that really helped during a time where I feel like if I didn't have that, my life would have turned out very differently if it turned out at all, you know, not to get too dark, but it got rough. Yeah. While there and those little, those little moments of light. Well, I love both those examples because, and in a way they aren't like, yeah, they were small in some ways, but in other ways, those were giant actions by those mm -hmm. people. And 
And that's exactly what allyship is, is it's um, those women didn't feel threatened to stand up for that cause or as threatened as you as a teenage closeted queer boy. So um, by them showing up for you like that, like who knows how different your life would have been without those strong allies. Absolutely. And I'm curious, uh, as we kind of wind this down and also really get to the heart of allyship, can anybody else think of examples, maybe not even of just allyship that was that was uh, done in your behalf, but allyship you witnessed? Oh, Ooh, honey. Ooh. Um, oh. mm. <laughs> Is that you know, answer I, right there? Oh. <laughs> that's, that's the whole answer. I like, all of us like, oh. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe a good direction to go is to talk about parents. Because parents are a huge influence on their children. And I had fabulous parents who are amazing allies. And when I, w- I was in high school, I went into a deep, dark depression where I didn't want to talk about anything. I actually didn't come out to my parents. They found porn on the computer. So (laughs) that was... I remember that. Yeah, they were like, hey, hey, that's a man. (laughs) That's a man and his penis. (laughs) Um, So anyway, and my my parents, uh, they did. They started to educate themselves. They started to read about it because they didn't know what the right thing to do was. And... Um, one great thing they did for me was they got me into counseling. Um, the, they brought me to a few different counselors. The first two were huge misses. And so that's, um, so if anybody is exploring counseling, just know that you do not have to go with the first person you meet because God, no. I, I met with two heterosexual male counselors who were terrible. And so, and then I finally met a woman named Sandra, and she was fantastic, an ally to the community. She was a yoga enthusiast. She was just this wonderful person that, and I honestly can't even remember, that might have been after high school when I finally connected with her, but she helped validate me in a way that I don't think my parents could, even though my parents validate me, so if you are listening, Uh, My parents have always accepted me and validated me, and I love them. Um, But this counselor was able to validate me because she had education about it. She knew about it. And so that was a huge way that my parents were an ally for me, was by encouraging me to get counseling and by helping me go to multiple counselors. Absolutely. And it's... it's Amazing how we can pinpoint these moments in our lives where we either A, saw somebody doing something and realized, like, I can do that. Or things that were that happened in our lives to us that at the time, especially when we're younger, we're not seeing the ways that things are impacting us. Because we're just barely getting through every single day through the hormones and the... The, the all of the other uncomfortable like nuances of being a teenager and coming up and coming out for those of us who had to do that and continue to have to do that. And what I appreciate about your story, Austin, is that you had supportive people in your life that still didn't always know what to do. They wanted to support you and they kept trying. They didn't get it right every single time and they kept trying. And that is one of the things that I think really speaks to an amazing ally is somebody who, like we said last week, you're gonna fuck it up. We're all gonna fuck it up. And we learn best through a failure than perpetual success. Because perpetual success is part of the reason why people think that no one else should have any problems because it all worked out for me. You know, like that's, that, that's one, of the ma- the, one of the ways that we learn like, oh right, life is hard sometimes. Life is difficult. We Absolutely. have to learn things. Oh, learning. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't sure. I was like, I, I want to stop. I want to stop. <laughs> I was, I was like, wait, wait, no. The- <laughs> and my brain was like, there's quiet. There's silence. I have to do something. <laughs> but- Insert snarky comment. <laughs> <laughs> but applause. <laughs> 
<laughs> can we have like a can we have i need to get us a soundboard like, that's what yes. needs to happen <laughs> oh like those. Like, will... can we have like the soundboard for full house <laughs> that was some of the most like enthusiastic fake crowds i've ever seen <laughs> what are you talking about that was filmed in front of a live studio um audience. anyway yeah i did want to ask cody did you want to add anything about because i remember earlier on marco polo i had asked you if you had an ally like is there a moment in your life where you wish you would have had an ally or uh, or what actions do you wish maybe some people in your past would have taken to better support you? Would sure. did you feel comfortable answering any questions like that? And if not, that's totally fine. Well, not that I'm not comfortable, but it's it's a very it's a very complicated topic. From my my story is not an easy one. Um, I'll just say I didn't really have an ally. Coming out was very difficult. I had to fight for to be heard for years. Um, and I had to fight, unfortunately, I had to fight for support. Um, and a lot of people just sort of, they really let me down. Not that they were bad people. A lot of them I still love and I keep in contact with. Um, but it made, it, it definitely made me into the person I am today um, in both good and bad ways. Allyship is something that is is not easy for me to talk about mainly because I don't have any experience with it. Um, and I think it's a wonderful thing. It gets kind of tricky, I think, because when I think of allyship, I think of people who are, who are blessed with um, the privilege of having a, a platform. Okay, so, but then you get into questions of, do I really want this person to speak for me or do I want the privilege to speak for myself and for people to hear me? Um, and that's a whole another topic because I'm I'm thinking of other things. Um, but to, to answer your question, I don't really have a, a story where I witnessed allyship, and I really can't think of anything off the top of my head um, where allyship could have been more beneficial to me. Uh, and I guess that's a good thing for for people growing up who are queer or who are questioning whether they how they identify and for people that maybe know someone who is struggling or who is maybe maybe unsure um and i think what's great also is that in this day and age there's a lot more kind of like we talked about in the first episode there are a lot of there's a little more leniency i think a little more acceptance um especially with this community um so i i i can definitely say from my experience which i won't get into um, it's, it's a tale of how important allyship is. Um, and I really want to drive that point home that even if it's just a little thing, it will have a huge impact on the person who needs your support. So, and tying it into the Black Lives Matter movement, showing, showing up really makes a difference. Getting involved in that individual's life, being on the front lines, being present because honestly you know as lady gaga once said i was born this way and that's not something i should have to justify that's just who i am just like that's who the any any marginalized group that's who you are and you shouldn't have to explain that you shouldn't have to that shouldn't have to be justified that should just be accepted and supported and loved so not to get on a huge soapbox because we've been talking for a while and I can tell that Cody is not talking as much. Jack Daniels is stepping in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I was going to say strong words from a strong human though, because what, what, what you're really getting at, in my opinion, you are kind of envisioning a world in a lot of ways where allyship doesn't really need to be a thing because we're all able we're, we're, we're all we all have the agency of everyone else and while i agree that that is a world that yeah. might sound like an idealistic pipe dream i see it in a future where i don't know if we'd ever get to a point where allyship will not have to be a thing entirely but i think what we're seeing now is that allyship 
in the present moves us towards a future where allyship becomes less necessary in every moment of every week. Right. You know, and, you I know, think, that's... and I think that people forget that it's not just about the 80 to 100 years we live that's important. It's about making building something for future generations of the human race. It's important to do, it's important to live your life and, and do things that are important to you, but we've got to make an effort to change things and make them better for future generations if we want society to be the way it, we know it should be. And so, yeah, and I, and what, what I find from my own personal experience, and sometimes I think it's ignorance, but also I think it's just maybe that kind of utopian feeling as I do, I do forget about the here and now because I think in terms of, well, this is how it should be. So I'm going to live my life the way it should be. And sometimes well, that's a great thing. And I think a lot more people, I think that's something that I, I want to see happen, but I, what's been, what's, I guess, a positive, unfortunately, about what's been happening in this past year is that that's not the case. And like I said earlier, like we've all said, it's not enough to just want that to happen. We need to make it happen. Um, and I, I do want allyship to no longer be like a topic. I want it to just be a lifestyle. That's just how you treat another person. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm not saying it the correct way, but um, yeah. But but all we can do is here and now get involved. And that's all I can say is, is really, even if it's a small thing, you never know how it's going to impact the person you are standing up with. And I'll leave it at that. That's a beautiful way to end that. I love it. So yeah, we're gonna end by thanking all of the allies, encouraging everyone, to continue to strive to be a good ally. And cheers, cheers queers. Cheers, queers. <laughs> <laughs> took a step back, took a step back. <laughs> <laughs>